Screenings episode 87 in a row. I'm your host, Adam. With me is my regular host, Jackson. No, don't laugh at that. What are you, what are you don't fucking laugh at that. <laughs> and Destiny. Hi. You can't give him that one. You cannot give him that one. It wasn't even a joke. It wasn't funny. It reminded me of Clerks. Yeah, yes. I, that's the fucking thing. <laughs> I've not watched any fucking movies, so. Me either. I watched The Fellowship of the Ring, but we're going to talk about that on Mortar Movie Night. You can find that at exportaud.io coming up soon. We haven't recorded yet. We were supposed to record already. So I got the movie done, and then we pushed recording. So, Yep. I watched two movies. Go ahead. I uh, watched the Super Mario Brothers movie from 2023. You know, that movie. I'm trying to vamp because I'm trying to get the information about who directed it and stuff. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Oh, Nobody cares. okay. It's elim- elimination. Then- <laughs> Whatever. No one cares. <laughs> uh, this movie's about Mario and his brother Luigi, and they get sucked up into a magical world, and uh, they leave Brooklyn, and they go to the Super Mario Brothers world, and uh, Bowser is there, and he's in love with Peach, and Peach is... Uh, not into that and you know the drill but it was like a checklist if it were a movie it was very very not good <laughs> i am um, i did i learned this recently i'm not learning it from you but uh, i didn't realize this was definitely going to be like a full-on that they were in brooklyn situation i thought every mario thing that i've played he's just fucking mario he lives in the mushroom kingdom he's mario yeah um, no same i actually liked the brooklyn parts of the movie like you get to see his whole mario family and his Mario dad and his Mario mom and his Mario siblings that aren't Luigi. Non-canon. These are non-canon. These are <laughs> yeah, non-canon. They're not Mario's. <laughs> but they were cute. I, I like Greg little... Mario does not part, fit into the Mario canon. <laughs> Mario just lives in the town with the toads. And whoever else that Miyamoto deigns to let the Paper Mario team create on any given day. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this movie just had, like, jokes that ran into the ground. Like, jokes that had potential, but they just didn't work. For some reason, everyone's obsessed with that Bowser song, but it's not that funny. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's not, it just wasn't there for me. Like, I love the way the movie looked. It's a great-looking movie. It's got some really cute references to just levels of the game, which is, that was fun to watch. But this was just not... It, it had no heart. It had no soul. Um, very empty experience. <laughs> the Mario movie. <laughs> I I, uh, I saw a tweet from like the composer. I think it was. Or I think it was some talk about the composer. And it was like they had to fight the studio to get them to use like the Mario Power Up song or whatever at the end and not jump by you know Van Halen, which is so funny to me. Funniest possible anecdote that you have to fight them to n- please don't do this one embarrassingly corny thing. I'm sure the movie's full of other terrible needle drops. It uh, is because it's a kids movie, but it's also for forty year olds, so they have to be eighty songs. Uh. <laughs> you got it um i did like that they made a cheesy brooklyn tv commercial for their plumbing service set to a hip-hop song about themselves that was pretty good 
But that's like in the very, very, very beginning of the movie, and it's like a thirty-second gag. <laughs> um, I'm gonna read the additional music for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh um, no! The, the, oh no! The, the, the licensed songs. Are you ready? No. <laughs> this is in order, uh, just as Wikipedia has it. Number one: Battle Without Honor or Humanity. Oh, the famous Kill Bill song. Uh, number two: No Sleep Till Brooklyn. <laughs> Oh, does that play when they're in Brooklyn? Does it play when they're fucking in Brooklyn? Oh, okay. Let's go. Next one. Uh, number three, Habanera, the Bizet song. Okay. Carmen. Um, number four, Attack Fury Bowser from Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. <laughs> I don't even... Does anyone... Is anyone getting out of the seats? Like, oh, fuck, that's the 3D World song. <laughs> number five, Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> Yeah, that was probably the worst needle drop in the film, in my opinion. That one, I whatever. I know that, that's even that, been over. Shrek already did that. Shrek did Shrek that. Did. Shrek yeah, too Shrek owns did. that one, and that's yeah. not like a compliment, right? Like a bad movie no, can own I a song too. too. Yes, <laughs> but, I didn't mind Shrek too, but I also thought the needle drops in Shrek were kind of obnoxious. So, I, well, yeah, no, no, this is not in any way a defense of Shrek. I'm just saying that, like, sometimes a movie comes out and it's big enough that it like claims a needle drop like you can't use where is my mind anymore right stuff like that right, you can't yeah. use holding out for hair in your kids movie anymore shrek did that already it's true uh, take on me that was a weird one when does that play is it when when i they're don't like remember doing double remember. dash or something i don't know <laughs> i don't remember when it plays it might be one of during one of the mario kart sequences i i just don't remember uh, DK rap, Grant Kirkpope, sad, alone, being like, no one credits me. I wrote that song. <laughs> he says it Britishly, because I think he's British, but, you know. Um, Thunderstruck by ACDC. Oh, why the selection's all terrible, and also for ancient people. Uh, the Wedding March is included in this. <laughs> uh, and then Mr. Blue Sky from ELO. That was good. That was allowed. Sorry, I'm back on the boomer side. <laughs> That's a banger. Yep. So that it is a banger, but I don't think I want it in my Mario movie. I'll be honest. When does that? When does Mister Blue Sky play? Is it when when the when they win? When it's Blue Skies? Is, is it? I, I believe so. I you know I watched it some time ago, and I don't remember all the needle. I drop feel moments. like Mister Blue Sky is extremely Mario new to the Mushroom Kingdom montage to me. I just like, don't oh, it's remember. great here. I love it in the Mushroom Kingdom. Very forgettable. Should have so. got Jack Black to sing "Ignorance Is Bliss." god fucking if only it's right there it's free jack black is the best part of this whole movie like bowser's like a metalhead and he says really fucked up shit and he's like yes pain is the best teacher and he's the best part of the movie Dumb. (laughs) that that sounds stupid maybe he's fine but i'm like i bet i mean i bet he is the best part of the movie yes i do believe that jack black (laughs) no he is the best part of the movie hands down um uh, there there's little things in it that i did like but overall it was it was kind of there's a very cute flashback where they show them as babies which is very cute um i don't know it's just it just it just felt soulless it was like we hit all the beats here it is here's the movie uh i heard one of the things i heard was that they're like weirdly constantly focused on like whether he's small mario or big mario it's like yes. as a constant plot point, which is the most boomer shit in the world to me because that doesn't know who 
The idea that Mario's defining feature is that he gets big when he has a mushroom, like I, I know that's true in the video game Super Mario. It's, but it's it's it hasn't been in a Mario like uh, outside of the new Super Mario Brothers games since uh, Mario since World. The, since, like yeah, since like nineteen ninety one, since before yeah. I was born, was that a defining trait of Mario? And I'm like, yeah. when I think of Mario stuff, I'm like, okay, is there like a Delfino Plaza in there? Is Rosalina in there? Like this fucking stuff from the recent ish games from. Uh, but no. You got to be forty to uh, enjoy this bullshit, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't think anyone who's forty actually liked the movie, unless they're like no, no themselves because their kids liked it. No, this is actually, this is very popular. This is the this is the culture war. I thought the thing was all that, my like, friends liked all the it. Video game folks liked it, and then everyone else saw it and thought it was miserable. Like the video game folks are the forty year olds. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't answer this. I didn't go. And I was like, I'll just watch that when it's on streaming. And then I probably won't even do that. <laughs> you wouldn't even do even that? <laughs> I didn't even bother watching Sonic 2. I'm not going to bother watching the Mario movie. That's but, I care more about Mario than Sonic. We both will watch Sonic 3. Cause Shadows I don't think I will. One. I think I will watch Sonic X instead and count myself lucky. Yeah, but <laughs> you want to see how badly they fuck up Shadow? I don't. I do not want to see how badly they fuck up Shadow. Because you think that if I want to see a badly fucked up shadow, the internet can just reward me with that. Anytime I Google fucked up shadow, <laughs> reward is not the right word I would use, but okay. Um, the second movie I watched was Orchestrative Storms, The Fantastic World of Jean Roland, uh, a 2022 documentary directed by Dima Ballin and Kat Ellinger. And it essentially, like, tries to position Roland as, like, this great surrealist and his place in, like, art film as opposed to, like, Euro trash and Euro cult. Um, it's a very, like, lovingly done documentary. It has a boatload of actors that he worked with in it and friends and um, really paints, like, a portrait of this, like, really devoted... Uh, artist and who was just completely underappreciated like near the end of his life he kind of got caught on that he was a cult filmmaker but like he never in his time he was just like not respected at all so it's kind of just about that struggle and it was a really good documentary i'm glad i watched it i'm glad it exists uh, it was really cool um I don't really have that much else to say about it i'm just happy that it exists and jean roland is one of my favorite uh, just weird horror film directors. <laughs> All of his films are like dreams. Uh, they just there's imagery you can't get anywhere else in a Jean Roland movie. <laughs> mm. I think it's really funny that we're both completely silent because we don't know what to say about this man. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, have, I have a lot to say about Jean Roland uh, in that I've seen like three or four of his movies and I've disliked almost all of them. <laughs> Oh, okay, I don't know. Did I didn't you know see Living no. Dead Girl? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember okay. who you showed me because they're all. They all have basically the same plot. Well, the uh, vampire just sometimes ones... there's cultists and sometimes there's not. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me yeah. how you really feel. <laughs> Destiny knows this is a long running. Uh, here's the thing: genre horror movies do have a certain spice. There's like a an energy that you can't really get in too many other places. Um, but they are extremely trashy you know exploitation vampire movies with like a sheen of like artiness on them 
And I think that that's like intentional and I think he's going for something and I think they have value. I just, it's not for me particularly. Um, and I always come up, the, the one we watched uh, with the, the big castle, you know, the one destiny. Uh, are you talking about grapes of death or no, not that one. Definitely not that one. Requiem for a vampire. Might be that one. The one, the one we watched most recently in your box set. That one. Was oh, great. that was, um, shit. I can't kiss of the vampire. I believe destiny. See, this is the problem. Doesn't fucking know because all the titles are goddamn same. Yeah, all they, the they, all, the same. they have very similar titles and very similar plots. It was either Shiver of the Vampires or uh, that's a different one true. to the two of the of the vampires you've already said. This is like a Simpsons bit that's happening right now. Before my eyes. <laughs> you see why is... I can never remember which ones I've seen. Destiny's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, seen I get one? it. I'm like, no, I have no idea. Um, I've watched like three or four of them, and I only liked one of them. So I, I didn't hate movies. the other ones. They're just not really my speed. My favorite genre and movies are I, I like um, Fascination and uh, Living Dead Girl, Night of the Hunted. Uh, he's great. Requiem for a Vampire is great because it's got this shot where um, <laughs> a vampire bats hanging off a lady's pubes, <laughs> and um. who could forget it? My thing, this is not unique to genre. Lynn is uh, I never. I'm like that much of an exploitation person. I like my movies to like cohere as stories with the characters I can invest in and sitting through a 90 120 minute movie for like the three scenes that are memorable and cool is just not what I'm going to the cinema for. Um. <laughs> oh no, I'm here for the whole enchilada, but yeah, the whole experience is he's going to take you to a castle. It's going to be dreamlike. There's going to be terrible sex scenes, uh, which he didn't care for, but you know, the producers wanted that. My, of, my experience with John Lynn is falling asleep before the cool stuff happens. <laughs> thinking about um, uh, Listomania, which is, what if you made the entire movie out of those scenes? <laughs> um, yeah, Listomania does not, ha- it has way too much, like, art and, like, self-effacing humor about it john Lynn movies are also are very like dreamlike and self-serious oh sure yeah, but like it's no... full of like weird uh like exploitation stuff that is always yes. going crazy there's no boring yes. scenes to lead up to it it's just yeah. on one at all times yeah john yes. Lynn is not as lured as listomania is no uh, there's just some really bad softcore sex scenes you're like these people have never fucked they don't know what they're doing they don't know what they're doing they've they never had sex yep <laughs> It's very funny. Uh, Anyway, uh, we should probably get into our movie club movie. Yeah, let's do it! Our movie this week is High Noon, the 1952 movie produced by Stanley Kramer, uh, directed by Fred Zimmerman, screenplay by Carl Foreman. Uh, This aired July 24th, uh, 1952. I said aired because I do anime and cartoons and not released. Um, I'd seen this movie before, but it had been some time and I didn't remember it that well. Uh, I remember liking it well enough, and I was like, "Oh, we need a we need an under ninety minute movie," and this is one of them because infamously it occurs in real time in the lead up to a noon train where uh, some guys are gonna a sicko is gonna show up and uh, get revenge on the sheriff who put him away. Um, said sheriff being Gary Cooper, who is uh, literally five minutes after retirement, about to ride to his honeymoon, and he gets the news that these guys are coming and decides to stick around and uh, be the 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 bulwark against chaos coming to this town and the town isn't too thrilled about that because they uh think that he's just gonna increase their troubles and maybe they want this guy around because he's good for the economy when he's doing crimes or whatever um (laughs) 1950s america is fucking weird because there's like (laughs) 
every ideology kind of doesn't make sense, but they fucking hate each other and they're just ready to stab each other. Uh, this movie infamously. Um, so Carl Foreman um, wrote the screenplay um he was uh someone between uh, before huac he didn't name names he got basically blacklisted. he's like i'm gonna be blacklisted and uh worked up wrote this picture and then basically moved to europe because he was blacklisted um john wayne was give, asked to be the guy in this role and he's like i'm not working with a commie like him uh because john wayne's turbo fascist who loves naming names about people who he thinks is commie or communist um and uh decried this movie as like the most un-american film he'd ever seen uh which is wild like i said the 50s were a trip um and um yeah it's, it's often been is it, on the one hand considered a movie about you need to stand up to you know mccarthyism um not name names even when it's a difficult thing and no one likes that you're like defending communists at the same time is a movie championing the rugged individual who is a cop it's a favorite film of multiple u.s presidents um because it's about a guy who just does the hard thing even though all of the the people don't appreciate how hard it is to be the guy in charge um and both of those things are true at the same time <laughs> uh, the movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought we'd have to do some plot summary, but you, that's the whole movie. There, there is nothing yeah, exactly. extra that happens. Um, yeah. uh, that song the plays a lot. The oh boy, does it's it! A great song. Um, I think this movie fucking rips. I loved it. It's uh, the quantities are uh, difficult to parse through because of the reality of where America was at in the fifties, um, and I find it fascinating. But everyone acts the fucking pants off of it. Um, and it's like short and good and looks great. So I had a great time. <laughs> I um, absolutely loved it. What were you going to say, Jackson? Oh, no, you, you go first. Oh, I just I just thought the whole like there's no wasted shots. It's like tight as fuck. Um, it's just I didn't know what to expect. I had seen a few shots from this movie before I'd seen the movie, but I didn't know it was in real time. I didn't know like the plot and yeah no it's really great my favorite part is like the whole movie building up to when frank gets there he's like we all know how he is like he says it like three or four times or like somebody else will say oh we all know how frank is and then you get to frank and it's just like a guy he's just a guy he's not really a character so that was really funny but overall i thought this movie was great um yeah and i had a mostly good time uh, I, I didn't know the political context like beforehand so I was watching it just kind of like losing my mind like this is the most fascist movie we're ever going to watch for this podcast it's like <laughs> unhinged how evil this movie is and then I learned the history and like John Wayne coming out against it was so I, I laughed so hard when I learned that because like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> uh, this movie agrees with you about literally everything unless you've just been reading the Wikipedia page for the House on Americans Activity Committee five minutes before watching it. But any other context... Uh, I, I don't think that's true because this movie ultimately is about how like the the will of the nation can be wrong. Which is not which is not John Wayne's opinion. John Wayne's opinion is that the like moral majority is inherently correct and must be like, you know, ceded to. The people don't want communists in their in their good American towns, and they all have to be run out. Um, and oh. the way things are are the good ways, you know. See, I I, I took all the like the 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 
Pe- the common man is the most cowardly, feckless, useless person of all time, uh, and should basically be uh, treated with contempt in all things. Is yeah, how the, I the the, co- the the common man here is fucking white Americans of the nineteen fifties. Uh, that doesn't matter. I, I don't know. That, no, I, it I, extremely matters because these are people who are like, we just want to raise our kids and go to church. But actually, it's good for the economy that there's like a criminal element uh, <laughs> and we're not going to actually support any like we'll uh, we will say we care about these things. But the minute someone asks us to do anything, we all become like sweaty cowards. Uh, yeah. Like like the 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 way it depicts like what hadn't been named yet is like nimbyism, right? Where if like we like the idea of things as long as we don't have to get involved with them is a scourge of American politics. It is, but it's also like the 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 like foundational building block of the leap from just like conservative liberalism to actual fascism, right? Is someone needs to tell these worthless people what to do, uh, and that someone is um, uh, Will Cain, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, both those things, this is the problem with American <laughs> politics, it's a nightmare space. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, you know, I, Gary Cooper could be the king. He's cool. Yeah, if you just imagine a cool guy that's right about everything, uh, <laughs> it's he, fine. Could, he could fix all the problems. Yeah. Just a tired man with a hangdog look wishing someone would back him up and no one will. Oh, man. You know that shot. You know the one. The, the big crane shot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> one of the funniest things about this, watching this movie, because um, it's a 1952 movie with, like, you know, it's got, like, a narrow aspect ratio. It's all black and white set on a fucking Western set. I don't watch a lot of Westerns. It's, this movie is indistinguishable from, like, 60s TV. I'm like, this could be an episode of The Twilight Zone, an extra length episode oh, yeah. of The Twilight Zone, easily. <laughs> yes. um, other than, they like, Twilight Zone would not get this many good actors. <laughs> um in one space no they'll just um, get one they'll get one of them yeah um it has the like the big crane shots really funny because it cranes up and it has the fucking star trek original star trek problem where it's like oh right over the like saloon is fucking california (laughs) it's just the modern (laughs) california sets and trees and there's like a power line in the background and it was very very funny to me um because you, you can see that shit a lot in like mid-centuries productions especially in tv where they often just go to the same one like three studio lots that are left over from old hollywood and uh shoot stuff and anytime <laughs> you point the camera the wrong direction you can tell where you're at um <laughs> i find that very charming this movie has like in um with sunset Boulevard, she's like uh i didn't change the pictures that got small i'm like this is this, this is what the pictures got small looks like which is fine ultimately because i think it's a really good movie i love that it's like a quiet movie that is just about people acting and talking about each other like there's the, most like the critics of the time like going like there's no fights there's no action scenes what kind of western is this <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny to me because it's mostly uh, this one sheriff realizing every man in his life is a coward and the only principled people are like his wife and his like former like girlfriend. Um, but neither of them are actually willing to support him when the, like push comes to shove until, you know, she does. Grace Kelly does. Yep. She shoots that guy. I was sitting there thinking if this were a movie made today, she would just go with him and they would just be shooting up people at the end of the movie together like a weird quiet place thing and then she just gets a gun and shoots that guy and well, it's weird because like, oh. like there's two there's i feel two ways about it because like ultimately in like the american myth making right like pacifists are ultimately cowards is how it is depicted yes. right mm-hmm. which is strange because um, like 
of the people who aren't like backing him up, she's the only one doing it for like genuine principle well, reasons. Right? This thing is also because she's doing it because of like very conservative traditional Christian values. She is given a sort of grace about it where she, it's not mm-hmm. a cowardice thing, but ultimately like the movie leans into a, like a viewpoint of it is good to take up arms against people who would destroy you. And you can't just sit passively by and wait, which is like in the modern political sphere, um this is this is the thing that you know this is the liberal side will happily sit by and uh, hem and haw as they are eaten alive by actual <laughs> fascists right this is this is we should fucking uh you know get rid of the cops and uh, resist them with force i know it's weird because we're talking about a sheriff and his wife here but like the political sphere has moved so far away from like it is wrong for an individual to do violence unless they're imbued by the power of the state that is how we view it now um, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're like a gun nut, right? Like that's the one exception, but I'm not, I'm not just talking about the worldview of people who love the NRA. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, so like I, I easily see a version of this movie today where it's like, you know, he figures out he doesn't need to like sell your hands because if she betrayed her values by picking up a gun, it would be, uh, wrong. And somehow she would be lesser. And that's not the movie does not ever paint it as lesser that she decided to pick up a gun and shoot that guy. No. Yeah. Uh, no, it's instead it's like, uh, this is, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't read it as positive because it just, it just came across as like, this is the magnetic power of like, he loses everything in the town, but he can't actually like, you know, be emasculated by this woman who won't stand by him uh, is also the way it portrays us. Like at the end of the day, he's still a cool dude whose woman will come back for him. Uh, and was like the way I, I ended up taking a lot of that. Cause you know, he yeah, gets- that's also there too. It can be both things. Uh, yeah. I just like, I, as I was going through it, I guess like because of the, the context, I, it was all, uh, it just was just, uh, crazy shit on crazy shit on the political implications of this movie. Uh, <laughs> I also um, went through a similar journey watching it where I was like, what is this movie saying? Like, kind of appalled and then realizing, like, oh. <laughs> uh, I was never confused, I because I, I didn't know the, like, um, uh, like the House on Americans uh, uh, committee angle. I didn't uh, know until the, uh, and M told me at the end of the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I found it about it afterwards. So I was like, pretty straightforward. In the, I mostly like them. I'm like, damn, they used to make better... When they're making evil movies in Hollywood, they did it better in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> Rather watch this than fucking Iron Man. Get out of my sight. Like, Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the thing is that like for 50s Americans, movies deeply scandalous and subversive. Like, yeah. 70 years ago, the politics were just wild. Like, culture changes this is like you you go into old movies you realize no culture's fucking changed and you the problem is it still looks like the thing that you know right Mm -hmm. um but the dynamics are all kind of weird and everyone's playing for a different side and like none none of it lines up neatly and tidily in the way that you would want uh without like dismissing other parts about out of hand like you could make it fit a narrative like it is it is very easy for every, every U.S. president to fucking love this movie. Bill Clinton aired it like 17 times and Ronald Reagan said it was one of his favorite movies. I believe all that. That all makes total sense to me. But I also believe that this movie thinks that guys like that fucking suck. <laughs> um, because the Bill Clintons and Ronald Reagans of the world are the guys in the church sweating and going, no, we're not going to actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's true. Um, 
I, I mean, I, I don't know. The judge rides out of town. He's like, I've been a judge many places. I hope to continue to live to be a judge many places more. And fucking gets the hell out of town. I mean, this is true about politician. This is true about Bill Clinton. I would argue that's less true about Ronald Reagan, who is literally I, just the most right wing. I mean, I think Ronald Reagan is um, uh, fucking Lloyd Bridges getting his ass beat in the barn. Yes, personally, because <laughs> if he actually went and fought anyone, he, he, he just sent guys to yes. do it. Uh, he's a guy who thinks he should be in charge of shit, but he's like a evil loser who will never get it together. Uh, I just mean, like, rhetorically, when thinking about, like, the political positions of this movie, uh, Ronald Reagan is absolutely the guy that, like, sh- sh- you know, <laughs> rises above the masses and tells everyone how it's going to fucking be and ruins all of culture for 40 years. Yeah, I mean, the fundamental thing here is that High Noon doesn't believe that the will of the masses is worth supporting. And de- as someone who lives in America, I do not believe the majority of Americans have beliefs I- I'm willing to support. I think I live in a culture where the people are wrong about things. You live in a culture where the people are wrong about things. I don't care about the will of the people as like a majority. I think uh, the will of the people can be evil and should not be always supported. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm not saying that, but like these aren't real people. They're like people in a movie, right? Like, <laughs> Sure, but like that's true of the culture we live in as well, right? Like, yeah, but, well, I mean, like the people are written that way in order to justify the cool guy who is uh, rugged and yeah, correct. Yeah, but I'm saying that like in real life, all, some, many times the culture is evil. Yes, yes. And it is fine to have be a person who stands in opposition to said culture. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I just like the positioning of how this movie handled it, like rubbing the wrong way, I guess. Um, and I think it's like nebulous in, in the way that it's part of the American myth of like, you know, rugged uh, sheriff guy uh, who's like ultimately good. Um, but I think the things that he represents like emotionally in the movie ver- against other characters um, is not lined up with like your future U.S. presidents at all. <laughs> Um, someone who is compassionate to people with criminal histories and uh, people who are not like the good white Christians, a guy who doesn't go to church and isn't going to apologize for that. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Cause I like, that's the whole, the whole thing. So he like, he's like cleaned up the town, but now the the town's version of clean doesn't like him. Yes. Cause like we paid your salary. Like that's what we did to support you. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. which is like definitely like in the modern context leads into the weird like true respecting stuff but like i just don't think it's you can read it that way i'm not really interested in doing that uh, yeah I'm i just read it as the like the emotional a, landscape of that this is just like a proto clint uh not clint so that's, that's the guy the, what's the daddy harry this is because it's just it has the same ending as daddy harry uh so there's no there's no sequel where he's just immediately back on the force and not explained <laughs> might be the funniest thing about daddy harry is that it has this the high noon ending uh, the classic, like, throw away yeah, the badge. But in this, in this, when Gary Cooper looks at disgust of the townspeople all rush out the minute all the bad guys are dead and fucking rides off, you know he's not coming back and it's good that he's not coming back. Fuck these people. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, but I do think there's a difference between, like, the one guy who doesn't want the town destroyed by, like, four, like, psycho criminals, right? Whatever. The movie's not very interested in, like, the, the, the needs of the bad guys. Um versus dirty harry which is literally about like a cop dispensing like execution justice because the 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 system has failed even though that is in the movie it's like all oh, these northern judges let these guys out of prison too early <laughs> i don't even think that the, the guy in the church i don't even think he's necessarily uh wrong like i'm fairly sure they would they would just like ride off in search of him if he wasn't at town that day um mm-hmm. uh and i think that maybe they'd like settle down and then uh 
Stop I don't think that's true because uh, Frank clearly is here. Just he literally comes out and is like, "All right, give me my gun. We're gonna go kill Will Kane." Like that, he, he's clearly a guy driven to kill Will Kane. He's not. Yeah, a real no, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm the, the 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 guy in church who says uh, that if you leave town, they won't kill anyone here tomorrow. Um, oh, I don't know about that because they're already like breaking windows and about to. I mean, the, the movie outright says the 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 men have nothing to fear but like these guys like love to yes. rape women right yeah, yeah yeah you know i mean like then they would go off they'd find him in his in his uh shop or whatever and then they'd ride back into town and there would like be a gradual decline is the sense i got yes mm-hmm. yeah and uh the men don't care because it doesn't really affect them mm-hmm. right they, yeah. they, it's easy to see like all oh, right now we're just like working class folk but what if we had a little fun in town again uh, yeah, I mean, all the guys like that. The guys in this movie fucking all suck. <laughs> yes. Uh, shout out to the bartender, or who's the most guy who sucks. Uh, ridiculous man. He's like a he's like a Bioshock villain. <laughs> <laughs> the hotel clerk. Uh, no, no, the the guy in the uh, bar with the mustache. Oh, him too. Uh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy, the guy in the hotel is like the funniest. Every time that guy says anything, I was popping off. I love him. <laughs> what a ridiculous evil man. Yeah, no, he's out of control. Because he's just there, like, having a good time. Like, when Grace Kelly comes in and sits there and starts asking about Mr. Ramirez and goes up to the series, like, oh, yeah, we're going to start some shit. I'm excited. <laughs> he loves to stir the shit. <laughs> yeah. It does not It does not get stirred, in fact. That guy also is immediately blacklisted after this movie. Oh, <laughs> Wait, really? what was he yes. going to do with anything? I don't know. He's just blacklisted. Damn. His last Hollywood film for 25 crazy. years because he was uh, black. I mean, the problem was, like, you didn't have to do anything to get blacklisted. Half of Hollywood got blacklisted because if you wouldn't throw other people under the bus, you were a uh, communist and uncooperative. Yeah, no, I know. I, know. I mean, yes, 50s Hollywood is fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. As everyone, even vaguely left wing, immediately all got uh, <laughs> all got blacklisted. Yes. <laughs> Which definitely, like, Castle Paul, when you realize, like, half the people in this, like, get blacklisted either like because of this movie or like just after this movie and who knows if those are connected you know mm-hmm. um but then you have like gary cooper who's like classically conservative guy um not like an asshole like john wayne but not, like more aligned with john wayne than other people <laughs> right yes yeah, just polite about it <laughs> yes um yeah, it's fucking weird. Culture's weird. And then this movie goes on to have a huge legacy with not only like US presidents, but there's like a whole thing on the Wikipedia about like its use during like uh Polish elections uh in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> yeah, really? I lost that. Yes, it's yes. really funny. It's specifically it was like this was used as like the election poster for the first like, you know, partially free election is like in Poland as communism's loosening up or whatever. So immediately grabbing onto the idea of like iconic American cowboy as like your uh, opponent to historical, you know, seen as the oppression of communism is very like loaded. You just you've just sold out to the other the bad guys here. Yeah. How'd that work out for each? Yeah, where it worked really fucking badly, in fact. <laughs> um but at the same time, I think this movie rips. I think Gary Cooper's so good in it. Um, anytime he just gets to look sad, uh, I'm having a great time. I really like Caddy Hirado uh, as Helena Ramirez in this. And I had not seen her in anything, really. Yeah, she's um, great. Yeah, she apparently mostly played like this sort of like, you know, Mexican character in Westerns. Uh, 
she won a Golden Globe for this, and another Western around the same time she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. So one of those like you know groundbreaking we don't have to brown face white people for these movies (laughs) (laughs) yes um but i think she's really good the way in which she uh is like i I, if he'd asked for help i would help him but he's not asking for help he's not my man i'm getting the fuck out of here because that guy wants to kill me too and then when they like cross each other on the train and he's like i see that you're fleeing and you're right to and then she gets on the train and never looks back is really good yeah it's it's so good uh i love when um her and Grace Kelly like meet and they, they think that they're about to like be mad at each other, but they just come to some respect as realizing that they're both more principled than any of the like men in the town. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, and, and also like the women of the town, right? Cause there's yes. a bit, there's a bit where when uh, Helen sells the store to the guy, he's like, my wife always said, and then stops and realizes that what his wife said was like, like judgy and racist <laughs> and uh it's just like you've just always been very honest with me and i appreciate that and like back so like back pedals out of the room <laughs> yes. um that stuff i think is really good um i really like lon cheney in this uh lon cheney juniors in this movie for like three minutes as like the former marshal who can barely use his hands and is not going to help he's like look i can't fire a gun i have like broken hands and arthritis in my broken hands i'm just <laughs> yeah. here and smoke he brings the pathos that man yes. that fa- his face is just instantly yes. like oh i have sympathy for you <laughs> yeah uh, but it's also like these people these people don't give a shit about you. Like mm-hmm. they liked you when you you instilled law and order, but now that they think your job's done, they have no use for you. They're yeah. they're happy to run you out of town. Um, so there's no point in dying for them. Right. Um, and he's just one of those like it's not about dying for them; it's about dying for the principle. There's a bit um, in is it in the reception or is it one of the people who made the movie? Um, yeah, in uh, Zinnerman, the director's like this movie's closer to a man for all seasons than like old west stories. Oh wow yeah uh, i mean it that is, is true which is that yes. is kind of the same movie <laughs> yes. yeah yeah uh, right above the paragraph where, or the line where is the film was criticized the soviet union for its glorification of the individual <laughs> yeah yes. fucking bad <laughs> this is the epitome of american cinema it's just america is often at war with itself for very stupid reasons <laughs> um i don't know i think this movie rips i had a great time uh all of those things are true and uh there's definitely aspects of this movie that culturally are taken and warped into evil things or are just evil things in the american psyche um but it's a weird time and represented in a weird way in film yeah i That's didn't all. mean to come in and be like a contrary voice my my reaction was like this movie's so fucking evil it was pretty good uh <laughs> like the disagreement was in uh how nebulous the politics are. i still like enjoy it when there's a big montage of them coming into town and then it like zooms in on the empty chair that he promised to kill you from I'm oh like, it's so that bit is so funny because like during the montage right before the train arrives it cuts back to the chair like the chair is a character <laughs> <laughs> yeah really i love that um shout out to lee van cleef who doesn't get a single line in this movie it's his first film uh which is wild to think about uh because he still just looks like lee van cleef i'm like oh that's lee van cleef Man, i was I waiting for him movie. to do something i was like oh yeah. he's gonna do something <laughs> uh, he does whenever they cut back to the the guys drinking and waiting for the train to arrive he is diegetically playing a, a harmonica version of the film score which is really good yes that song it was very like reminiscent of the first time i saw tokyo drifter I was introduced by the late, great Robert Osborne on TCM, and he's like, you're gonna get sick of that song! 
I'm not getting sick of that song. What's wrong with you? It's a yeah, good part exactly. of the movie. It's the best part of the movie. I'm not getting sick of that song. And I did not get sick of this Oh My Darling song uh, throughout High Noon. I, it's not as good as a Tokyo Drifter song. It's, it's, it's not as good as a Tokyo Drifter song. It's nowhere near as good, but it's got that fucking weird drum. It's so good. It's funny that the bad guy's called Frank Miller. That's just funny to me. <laughs> I like that there was kill a him before he writes Sin City. <laughs> I like that there was a character named Sam Fuller. I was like, oh, is that a nod to Sam Fuller, the director? Probably not, but it's nice to hear. Yeah. <laughs> just a uh, very young Harry Morgan, almost unrecognizable to me. Yeah, it took me I think a of him. I think of him from like uh, Dragnet. Dragnet, Mash. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mash mostly. He's yeah. Uh, he's uh, one of the best characters in Mash. So he's he's a great TV actor. Yes. Um, do we have anything else? Do we want to get to questions? Oh, we can get to questions. I don't have anything. Yeah. All right. If you'd like to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, they can be about the movies we're covering or anything else. We have Question of the Week. Our Question of the Week this time was a very badly worded, just give me anecdotes about subtitles and films, because I didn't have a good, uh, clear question about that. Um, and we got a bunch of uh, good anecdotes. So, um, Mike writes in, uh, memory serves from film history class. Uh, I think this is the first crane shot for a closing scene. I don't think that's true uh it's, it's not the first crane shot definitely it is like the one they teach in film school is like this is what a crane shot does for you <laughs> like this is the movie they always pull from is the big long pullback shot because it is very clear the emotion is communicating as he's all alone on that dusty street uh yes it's a masterpiece yes um and then the anecdote about subtitles uh i think first time with subtitles must have embarrassingly been Greedo's subtitles in star wars but i remember it being a big deal when crouching tiger hidden dragon came out and it was the import- first important movie people had to see which is a funny thing about its own so my parents to see it and when it became clear with subtitles people asked for refunds because they thought it was going to be dubbed and they didn't want to read uh, cut to later I'm in a screening of Promare where they didn't advertise that the showing was dubbed and as soon as that became clear everyone started yelling and asking yes! for refunds <laughs> how times change that is not that is not time I mean it's past your time but I promise you the 2004 weebs if they were all in the fucking cinema and they were watching I don't know Death Note and it was dubbed they'd all yell <laughs> so here's my Crashing Tiger and Dragon is the first subtitle movie I ever saw fully in another language subtitled um and I remember being like, oh, there's like whole movies that aren't in English. <laughs> I genuinely. I was not a movie person. <laughs> that is, that I is my don't thing. remember what my first subtitled movie was. It might have been something French. It, it, it might have been like Breathless. It, I don't know. It was way before the year 2000, though. You did not see your first subtitled movie. It, and for me, it's probably like 2001 because I remember we rented it because I was like, people talked about this movie. I should see it. Um, you were not 15 or 16 when you saw your first subtitle film. I wasn't. Because mm. you were like baby film nerd. I know. I, I know. That's why I'm having such a hard time remembering what it was. But I yeah. want to say it was something French, but I don't actually know. It might have been something in Espanol. It might have been. I just don't. I don't know. I watched a lot of um, kung fu movies in middle school, so I feel like most of those would have been, especially at the time, would have been dubbed. Yeah. Yeah, So I don't know, but I know my anecdote uh, is the first time I saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in the theater. My mom turned me and was like, "Is the whole movie like this? (laughs) We have to read the whole movie. I don't want to read the movie." 
So I have the big uh, softness in my heart for that. <laughs> um, Rick writes in, do you like stylized subtitles? Uh, I think you the first John Wick when I write this up. Uh, as the last time I remember something like them showing up. Um, I was the, um, is it the Tokyo Drift? drift subtitles that like zoom left and right off the screen i think so oh yeah <laughs> which i always thought was very funny um, um typically i think the subtitles should be unobtrusive and like normal but uh, yeah uh I, yeah. I agree but i like so it's not that i i think there are two different versions of this there's there's the version which is just um the john wick thing where there's actual like visual design on screen uh there's like core to the shots uh, yeah. The subtitles are like part of the composition, um, and then there's the other version, which always annoys me as a kid for some reason. Which is where when you go see the movie in the cinema, and there's a few subtitle bits because uh, the character speaking another language, um, it displays in a certain way. But then when you watch it at home, uh, whatever they take, out the hard subs. they take out the hard subs, and they you just because they want that for every possible language, right? Um, yes. And that they always bother me because like, oh, I looked a certain way before it was on purpose. And the I, hard subs were a director's choice. Yes, yes, I'm telling, I'm saying you're the such a sub- fucking nerd. Uh, this was before I had actually concept of this. I, the, okay, I, the, the first time I remember this specific thing is for uh-huh. a movie so stupid you won't believe me. Hit me, hit me. Uh, it is for. Um, James Bond die another day. Oh yeah! <laughs> and I was watching it when it, when I uh, you know finally got the DVD and it was like wait a second the the, the whole bit where they're speaking Korean at the start is it's why does it all look worse now on the Xbox subs? It looks like shit. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I understand. And now I have grown up and realized that die another day it's a terrible fucking movie. <laughs> there was one. Enough. What was it? Was maybe it was when we watched Woman Under the Influence because I had to rent it because I doubt my download was not going fast enough. Because um, I'm bad about remembering to download these movies immediately, <laughs> so I'm always trying to do it last minute. Um, <laughs> it's true. Uh, so we rented it from we rented it from Amazon, and it had hard subs. But then we always Destiny always has the we always have the subtitles on for like the TV because Destiny likes subtitles, and I'm fine. I don't care. Um, and so it was playing the hard subs and then the other subs on top of it. I was like, oh, no, we have oh, to turn no. this <laughs> Yeah, it was ugly. <laughs> um, uh, Rick has an anecdote. I can't remember the first time I saw the subtitles, but I do have a very dumb version of a common subtitle mishap. When I first watched Tinker's Taylor Soldier Spy, I downloaded a copy of it. And seeing the cast and content, I didn't think much of the subtitles for the film or finding any. Now, those who've seen the film know the inciting incident and scene kicks off the whole thing is a small scene set in a country in Europe, um, and they're not speaking English in the cafe scene. Um, and I remember this cool spy movie deliberately not subtitling the scene to keep the viewer in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is me in Thor of the Dark World, which is much more embarrassing, frankly. <laughs> but also far less load-bearing. I did not miss anything by not hearing uh, Christopher Eccleston say stupid shit about a Marvel Or say movie. shit like, oh, the Asgardians will pay for their life, whatever. The <laughs> yes. Worst movie of all time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, Luke Creighton, uh, remember watching this in film class, had a great time, briefly mentions the blacklisting stuff. I have a fun anecdote. Um, I worked as a theater usher and when your name came out, a guy came stomping out five minutes in the screening, loudly demanding his money back saying, I refuse to pay $12 to stare at the bottom of the screen. I knew this guy is quite a bit of a weeb too. So I'd imagine he's more than used to seeing subtitles always struck me as odd. <laughs> it's very strange. 
That's yeah, so I, funny to me. I don't get it. Like, once you're in the anime screening, I'm like, hang on, you're already, you're already in. You're already in. Like, I get it when normal right. people are watching Crouching Tiger. Uh, I don't agree, yeah. but I understand where that comes from. Yeah. Um, but guy on his own goes to see your name and gets mad about it. I'm like, are you, really? 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 <laughs> Uh, Cryo writes in, uh, I had this, uh, my first subtitle movie occasion as my family is split and went to watch. My mother and sister went to watch some rom-com with my father and I given two choices, Jet Li's hero or without a paddle. We agreed on hero. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was young enough, though, that in watching the movie, I thought uh, being in su- entirely subtitled was a cool cinematic choice by the director. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a few years later, when I noticed the, the dubbed version on TV, uh, my dad had to explain the difference between subs and dubs. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, question. You're an extra in a Western when the main character walks in the saloon. What your what is your character's whole shtick in this scene? And on a scale of tumbleweed to person that yells draw, how likely are you to die in the ensuing gunfight? Uh, I'm definitely I'm, dying. That part's I'm, happening for sure. Yeah, I'm getting shot. I'm dead. But I'm also like the cool, like, what was the first part of the question? Like, what stereotype are you yeah, in the what Western? Are you? I'm Miss yeah. Kitty. I've got the big falutin skirt on and I've got the rifle and I'm protecting my girls. I'm I'm definitely... <laughs> the, the western madam um i'm the priest who is not at the saloon and not getting involved thank you very much <laughs> i'm sorry but that's what i have to say <laughs> I love I, I'd like, i think i would not be that guy that guy is ridiculous yes. um but um with his weird little piglet voice uh can't handle that guy at all <laughs> I am clearly the slightly eccentric British guy that's in the saloon. Depending on how like heightened the movie is, I'm either like monocle and tea when the guy walks in, or if it's more normal, I'm like halfway through, uh, you know, dealing cards and I stop and I just look up. You're monologuing they, 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 about the queen. <laughs> yeah, they, like they gotta give you. They have like, you get like a fucking like gunslinger nickname that's like about your Britishness, obviously. Oh, just oh, yeah. like a fucking English Bob from um. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that's great. Uh, Tron writes in, the first movie I saw subtitles was Spirited Away on DVD, but the most interesting story I have is watching uh, X-Men The Last Day in the Theater in Puerto Rico, which had, was in English with Spanish subtitles. Uh, and I remember how talkative and responsive the audience was while watching the movie. I'd never had that experience before. I love a, a, a theater that's like into it, but like loud. And I just I don't, I mean, too. I... Yeah, I don't see it that often. Um, I didn't, don't go to the movies anymore. But even when I did, it, you don't see. You have to go to like a kids movie, like opening night, where the kids are just like into it um, and all rowdy, but like having a good time. Or like a horror movie, I often would do that. Um, all the nerd movies, everyone's too self serious. It's like, oh, we got we got to watch Iron Man. We got we'll clap at the scenes, but we're not going to be very quiet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's only happened a very couple like times in my life. I just feel like British audiences are a little quieter. The rowdy one doesn't yeah. happen that much. Uh, mm-hmm. And when it has happened, it's been because like some people are being rude. So like the enjoyably rowdy audience has only happened a couple of times. And it has only ever been when I've gone to like a specific like this is an event screening at like a enthusiast yes. theater. Uh, I've never gone I mean, to like this is also this is also stereotypically like a white audience <laughs> versus non-white audience thing. Yeah, yes, and yeah. let me tell you, they don't come any whiter. <laughs> Uh, when you go to see the cinemas uh, in Wimbledon. <laughs> it's in fucking Wimbledon. Uh, that's where I went to the cinema for many yeah, years. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It is funny. It's like, oh, well, you would go to a theater with a fucking dress code. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Did you know looking- the, the uh, oh, uh, main shopping center in Wimbledon, that the cinema is across from, is actually called Center Court because, of course, it is. Oh, oh wow! Oh my god, that's very funny. Um, Try to ask some questions. What's your favorite looking shot or scene in this movie? I just I like the crane shot. I'm a basic bitch. It was so good. Uh, it's 100 percent the dramatic zoom in on the chair. There's not like there's nothing else that it could possibly be. The dramatic zoom in the chair is the shot of the movie to me. Um, I really like when Kane and the four guys are like, there's like this panning shot of them almost running into each other across, like around a corner. Mm. I think that shot's really good. That is a good one. Um, what's your favorite song that's created specifically for the movie that it's in a bunch of? Probably one I didn't even realize was actually for a movie. I like, um, the female prisoner scorpion movies, uh, with, um, Oh my god, I can't think of her name. Miko Kaji? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a song, they put it in Kill Bill uh, Part 1 that plays in the opening credits that I can't think of the name of. It has the word flower in the title, but it's just this really pretty ballad. Um, everyone knows it if you've seen Kill Bill. It's the over-end music that plays after she's killed. Mm-hmm. Um, mine's really basic. It's Moon River from Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's a great song! It's a great song, and it's like really well featured in the movie. Uh, Breakfast Tiffany's not maybe a movie with uh, too many problems to watch enthusiastically in twenty twenty three, but uh, <laughs> her singing that song in that is great. Uh, it's it's probably just a song for the end of Streets of Fire then. I mean, oh, that's so fucking good! Is the thing? Uh, yes, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> I remember I was doing the episode and realizing like he like wrote that song in two days because they were bad about the scheduling and they lost the. Uh, actual song the movie was named after yes uh, and he delivered a way better song sorry bruce <laughs> um what's your favorite build up to a big fight scene in movies um okay this is hard for me i like I, I must have an answer because uh objectively this is the greatest thing about cinema yes uh, <laughs> is the like slow build up to a thing you know is gonna be sick when it happens um and Here's the thing is I think that this is usually better uh like in actual like this is this isn't just fights right I think of this as being a sports movie thing as well Sure um I think all of that in being in the same like situation but I can't you think can of answer whatever you want but you have to give me a just oh, concrete You example. go first cuz I can't remember any I'm like I've forgotten them all even though I love them all I just love it but um, I don't know one <laughs> Again, uh, basic, and this I feel reveals a lot about my historical context for Westerns. Both of my answers are Leone movies, um, which mm-hmm. is The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, and Once Upon a Time in the West, which are both movies about the the, the three-hour build-up to two or three or two guys, depending on the movie, respectively, <laughs> uh, standing in front of each other and pulling guns. And it, it's like, it, that's the part where it's about. like, yeah, it's all the build to that, and then it's over in like half a second. Is That's, that's the movies to me. That's why those movies are the greatest movies ever made. I need to watch Some those old. fucking movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time West is a better movie. I think it's like Leonie's best movie that I've seen. Um, but The Good and the Bad the Ugly has just got an energy and like an iconography that is like unique and spicier. Um, the difference being that Good and the Bad the Ugly is still shot in Spain. And uh, Once Upon a Time West was after that. And he was popular and got to shoot in the American Southwest and went to all the John Ford locations and has oh, shit. better. He has, he has like all the American actors, you know, um, it's his big expensive Hollywood version of what he does. So it has its own energy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Destiny. I don't really have like a buildup 
because I was trying to think of the fight in They Live and how like that unfolds. <laughs> That's and, not a big draw. <laughs> no, it's not. But I love it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't really have one. Okay. Are you gonna? Are you gonna be a coward? I, not answer I, either, Jackson. I'm like, I, I love this exact thing, but I genuinely like. Which, can I remember any of the? Yeah, that I can't think like, of anything. All specific. of Red Cliff, I guess. Red Cliff is just four oh, hours of this. Fucking, mm, uh, so good. I have like a specific fight. We, but I recently is... watched Fellowship, and the build up to the troll, like the fight in Balin's tomb, is this. It's fucking. It's the best part of the movie, I think, in terms of like action cinema. It's the best action scene in Lord of the Rings. Is that fight? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so I guess I'll go Red Cliff thing, but uh insert this for any time that there's a fight with two guys in a movie I like. I uh I think of the um Matt Damon Carla Bond confrontation in uh the Bourne movie with Carla Bond in it. It's okay. I uh, love it. I think that part's so sick. I think it, those guys are so it's good cool. fun. It's good fun. Um it's, it's not like my the best part of the Bourne movies, but that part is good. Um, would you all have left town or stayed and fought? I'd fucking leave in town. I'm leaving town with my woman. I, I also have judged in many towns and hope to judge in many more. <laughs> that judge had some great lines. Just throw that out there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not dying pointlessly. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, we have an anonymous email. Um, I will say one of the main, many failings of video streaming services is the inability to get subtitles correct. Since many devices have universal settings, it's difficult to know if you're missing subtitle dialogue and watching a film for the first time. That's why we just have ours default on. Um, I've had many instances of scrolling back, turning on subtitles, then rewatching a scene to determine if the dialogue should have been read or not. Uh, I assume you've had the same issues in the past. Another reason why pir- piracy prevails. The thing with the piracy is... Lately, we've been running across movies that just don't have subtitle files, and then you got to go to open subtitles, and it's like, are these timed correctly? I, uh, I've had multiple instances recently where like the the timing's just off, and I can't line it up, even though the file names match. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out at the end, they're like, "Hey, find out about the Illuminati," which is always like, <laughs> <laughs> oh subtitles. yeah, there's always an ad. There's always like a weird built-in ad to the subtitle. But it's, it's like always like out like outrageous ads of like you know go to this website to learn about the Illuminati, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure going to this website would like give me like a mind virus i can't go there <laughs> if you go to that website you die in seven days like, it's clearly. true it's true I'm go to this website and become the like corny inciting incident of at least 12 doctor who episodes <laughs> uh there's no other place for it jackson what is your opinion about new doctor we got the, those images uh i mean it, he looks great i don't know he's cool uh, the, the, that is not how he looks all the time. They are doing a 60s episode. Yes, no, it, it's really weird because I'm like, how much is Doctor Who going to lean to the fact that like being a black doctor means time travel is fucking dodgy in Amer- in like world history? Um, based on prior evidence, it will lean into that fairly, uh, but like not too far. Um, okay. Just given that this Rusty Davis and I know how he's handled this before. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm I'm curious because, I mean, you, you know, I don't know how many people have watched Doctor Who, but the weakest season of uh, the um, his era was when the companion was a black woman. Uh, suddenly, doesn't have the, like, specificity that the work work, that the, the, the white working class companions do. Like, Donna is a way more well-realized character than Martha was uh, yes. in the specificity of her struggles. Uh, and uh, I think Martha's, like, well-written, kind of poorly acted, but whatever, that's fine. Um, for, like, what she is, but it's clear that, like, this is one weakness for for my guy. So him saying I'm going to write the Black Doctor is like, a, yeah, good luck, man. <laughs> Would not be my first choice. 
<laughs> but uh, we'll see. Uh, all right. Uh, we have an email from Oscar. Uh, nothing to add uh, about the movie, but what a cute little Lee Van Cleef. I love him. He's great. <laughs> he gets like the, he's in the first shot. He's like the first guy you see. Yep. Um, <laughs> there's a whole bit of the comedian. like he was going to be offered the role that uh, Lloyd Bridges gets, but the the director's like, well, you got to go get your nose fixed so you don't look like an evil man. And he's like, well, I'm not going to be doing that. It's like well, you're an evil man. <laughs> I mean, nose. to be fair, he did. He yeah, it's important to the look. Yes, <laughs> going <yeah>. forward. <laughs> Yeah. Um, my most disappointing experience with the subtitles is a fortunate film I was very excited about. The French noir film Port of Shadows was actually one of the first movies I added to my letterbox watch list. And after years of waiting, finally got the chance to see it on the big screen. The Swedish Institute for Film has its own theater in Stockholm. It's incredible. They're a really good program. Uh, they make a, a point of showing original print copies of the films they show if possible, which that sounds fucking sick. Uh, however, this was the problem. <laughs> they had a showing of Port of Shadows with the original copy of the film. Great and real grainy, except it was from 1938. And I guess the scenarios of subtitling in Sweden weren't really high back then. <laughs> They're the scenes where they speak for many lines and the subtitles sum it up. Uh, scenes where they skip multiple characters' lines and often they were delayed so they don't match who was talking. Some lines had no subtitles at all. So the whole time my mind was occupied with trying to figure out the story through visuals and context. And least to say I was very disappointed in the film. I really look forward to and would have preferred a newer, even digital copy, even if it was cool to see a really old copy. Yeah, I uh it's weird because like I watch a you know, I watch a lot of stuff on Criterion, and I feel like the standards for subtitling like a French movie, there is often lines where they're like this is someone just agreeing we don't need to subtitle it. They know you're agreeing. Or like names won't get included in the subtitles. And I was like I understand, like, you don't feel the need to do this, um, but you should fucking subtitle every line in the movie. I think it's, like, really important to do that. I agree. I agree. The the the, the timeline became, like, or really realized this um, was, it wasn't actually subtitled to think, but it was when I was watching, like, West Wing clips when that was a thing I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and occasionally those clips would have subtitles, and I'm like, hang on a second. These, they, they don't line up. And, like, you know, <laughs> what's the point of watching it if you're not going to get all the words? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and on some level, I understand that, like, especially in, like, watching television subtitles is, like, these are probably very underpaid, very high-stress yes. jobs. But it <laughs> made me realize that, like, when I was watching a foreign thing, like, it might be this kind of situation where, like, the nuance yes. of the words won't be uh, carried. Yes. It'll depend, and I yes. won't be able to tell for wh- whether I've got a good subtitle or a bad one. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's hard. Um, and you, you just don't know. <laughs> Most times, unless you can know any of the language. Um, all right. Um, Brendan has our final email. Um, let's see. Uh, I remember at one point after moving across the country, my mom rented a bunch of films for us, including the Gerard Depardieu Cyrano de Bergerac, which that movie fucking rips. If you have not seen it, we watched it in my world literature class in high school, and I had a great time. Um, my younger brother hated that it was all subtitled, and being the oldest and uh, a child, I decided that having to read movies rules actually does. It's pretty good. Um, close second was traveling alone before the pandemic and seeing Zabriskie Point in a theater in Brussels. Uh, it was a beat-to-shit film print and had burnt-in English, French, and Dutch subtitles and English audio that often overlapped each other and took up fully the lower third of the screen. It greatly enhanced the specific weird tone of the whole experience. <laughs> My favorite thing back in the grabbing dodgy movies, this doesn't happen as much anymore, is the hard-coded Chinese subtitles on a movie that is not Chinese at all, uh, but then you have your own subs on top. <laughs> yeah, I miss it. There's, it's an aesthetic experience. Some people are having that experience this week. 
<laughs> really? Yeah, I think that's one of the uh, copies of Suzumates going around. I don't. I'm not watching that, so I don't know. But I, I'm fairly sure there is a the best quality copy of Suzume at this moment is a uh, Chinese hard sub copy that people are putting their own subs over. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, my question is: What situation would lend itself to a uh, real time movie? Well, I feel like everything I could think of has already been done, like test results. A bomb going from five to seven. Yeah, like that's like to me the best. Like that, ah, so good, so tense. Um, Um, There's a really good bomb's gonna blow up in like twenty minutes episode of uh, Justice League that uh, goes in real time. It's very good because it even accounts for the commercial breaks. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. That's such a doing this on TV thing to do. Twenty (laughs) four. It is, but I love it. So proud of yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I honestly, I, I think more movies in real time would be fun. Um, be, like, it's like the. Um, this isn't quite the same thing, but back when they, or they probably still do. I don't watch TV anymore. But like watching the like live episodes of ER or whatever back in the day, or like live episodes of Thirty Rock, where like you, you you could feel everyone scrambling the minute the camera points away to get into their other positions i think is like cool that and that's not exactly good. the same thing as a real-time movie because like you're cutting and editing and everything but right. like there's just an energy of like understanding the geography of the place like watching this movie it's like he puts that five minute sign up and he walks down the street to talk to someone then comes back sees that no one's here in the last five minutes go leaves the sign up goes the other direction down the street to talk to people comes back five minutes later and i think that stuff's really good <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> The guy who's there is like, oh, I, I've I, he was the only vocal supporter, realizing that no one else has showed up, and it's like, oh, I need to weasel my way out of this as hard as possible immediately. <laughs> uh i mean yeah like I, he's not wrong also like i mean i i would i would have shown up if other guys were showing up but now i'm like on my own and i'm just gonna yeah. die fuck off yeah yeah no. i know i yeah um a modern movie that drunk guy would have been given a gun and the kid would have been given a gun yeah yeah it would have been really bad they all would have joined together uh yeah i'm surprised that there weren't as many like tragic deaths like oh the 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 kid thought he could do it and he died my favorite thing about old movies and i just don't watch enough old movies of this caliber to like see this that often is if you are shot with a gun and it does not zing your arm you're immediately dead instantly just fall right over <laughs> yeah guns are instantly fatal one shot doesn't matter as long as it hits you somewhere in the like torso one shot down. set of mass <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> with like a handgun from like a hundred yards away <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you want a close up, you'll go. But that's it. That's just as much as you get. <laughs> yeah. Um, as requested, um, here's how to get to the Easter eggs on the Spawn DVD from last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for writing it. I'm so happy about this. Go to Spawn soundtrack on special feature side of the disc. Press right cursor when trip like I do lights up. Uh, a picture of Marilyn Manson will light up. Press enter. <laughs> On the next screen, press right cursor button. The parental advisory sticker will light up. Press enter, and the video starts. Other doors on this screen will also show interesting animations. If you press enter, when the snake symbol is lit on the same screen as the parental advisory, a horde of demons will come out. If you do this four times, the clown will appear. The clown is uh, Violator, played by John Leguizamo, who oh. played that entire role on his knees because the, the Violator is meant to be like four feet tall. Wow. They just did the thing where they like build his shoe, the shoes into his knees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's facts I know about the movie Spawn. 
My mom loved I don't know that shit movie. about the movie Spawn. I don't know shit about I've, Spawn. And any I've never Spawn. seen it. I've never seen it. But like growing up, my mom was obsessed with that movie. For like four years, I thought Spawn was a Soul Calibur character. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. It was only when I went to like other people's houses and were like, wait, where's Spawn in this game? Uh, and they're like, no, we've got Heihachi. We have a PlayStation. Like, oh, okay. Um, Here you go. Here's the, here's the violator. Uh, Pretty sure that's the character's name. Sure. God. <laughs> Click on the picture of Marilyn Manson. I don't know why that sounds fake. Like, it's just very, yeah, the thing like... about Spawn is that, so he's like a demon from hell who looks like this clown in, in the real world, but then he, he also has, like, a demon form. Uh, here you go. Here's the demon form from the movie. This is exactly the movie model. Looks like that. The movie oh, model wow. looks like it's a pixelated nest model <laughs> yeah everything everything about the cg and spawn is uh hilarious and bad uh, okay uh, why haven't i seen spawn uh, you sometimes, probably it, like sometimes it. it's an animatronic uh here you go here's an image um spawn is a very bad film that i happen to like quite a bit <laughs> it seems interesting I never got into the comics. I watched a little bit of the show, the cartoon, because it was a cartoon with boobs and blood. And I was like, oh. And it comes on right before Dennis Miller, which I was never going to miss. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I saw the movie. I also making another Dennis Spawn Miller. movie? Why? Yeah, Why? Because sure. uh, the Why 90s not? are back. The 90s are back, baby. Despite all the pressure from the 80s, 90s nostalgia is trying to claw its way into relevance. That's and, you know what? God bless it. All the people that came of age in the 90s are making this shit now. Yeah, yeah but there's still more 80s stuff. There's still more 80s stuff is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Someone born in 93. I, I feel like nostalgia for... I'm going to be ancient by the time my nostalgia is a thing. And, you know, I would resent it. But it's already kind of happening. I do resent it. Uh, like, I, I will get yeah, no joy from this. That, that Power Ranger special just aired. People seem to like that's it. Older that's older than me. I know, I know. It's five old. years older but than that's me. Like, that's my childhood. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, they're too old for that. They're too old for that. I saw it like this <laughs> one. I was like, oh, I don't know. It, it's diff- if they kept bringing them back, it's fine. I don't feel like that when the, you know, Takeshi Hongo steps out. He's 85 years old now. And you're like, yeah, good job, mate. But then he also stayed in shape better than any of the fucking Power Rangers guys. Also, uh, like he's been coming back for right. decades he's, he's all every five years he shows up for a movie yeah. and stands around for a bit and like that was true of the like uh red ranger guy but then he died so you know cast a pall over the whole thing oh you mean the green, green ranger green guy ranger. is that the green ranger guy whatever i don't remember i believe i remember green ranger i'll never guy. forget you he was also the white ranger white yes. ranger tiger power Oh, people at my school thought it was really funny that there was a white Power Ranger, by the way. I don't know if that was true for everyone else, but that is a joke that I heard a million, billion times. I never oh, heard no. the joke. Somehow yeah. it missed us. Never? Yeah, missed never us once? <laughs> no. Not once. Everyone, everyone, everyone made the joke about the Yellow Ranger being Asian and the Black Ranger being Black, but no one made the joke about the white Power Ranger. <laughs> uh, that was the one I heard a bunch. Um, <laughs> I, the, every time I see the image, actually, for, for the new Power Ranger thing coming up, it is one of the like funniest like Black Don't Cry examples ever because you look at it and like the the black guy who's back just looks normal and everyone else looks 50 billion years old <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god yeah no he looks the same age <laughs> he looks great yeah poor billy over there mm-hmm. i mean for many reasons <laughs> oh my god mary joe johnson will not be returning for this thank you she has better things to do good for her amy joe amy joe johnson amy, amy joe, joe johnson, johnson. Yeah. yeah i don't fucking know Ah, you know I know. 
Well, the Pink Ranger here and the Red Ranger here, the guy who plays Rocky, are from the second era of Power Rangers. They're the other guys. Yeah, because the, the I think the first guy was arrested for murder or something, didn't one of them? Or was it just fraud? I forget which one it was. I, I don't remember. remember. I remember the because one of them died. So that was the, the Yellow Ranger. Jason Lee Scott, what's up with him? Um is he is he in jail i have no idea no i don't think so which one of them got arrested one of the red rangers got extremely arrested and i don't know yeah, i don't think it was the first one okay. um, no it's not it's Austin not saint john who is the red ranger in is he the original red ranger oh we just maybe yeah. yes Indicted on federal fraud fraud charges related to the CARES Act, he allegedly conspired in a 3.5 million scheme to create businesses or use an existing business to submit applications to fraudly obtain uh obtain ppp funding uh here's the thing that happened i searched red ranger and went to the wikipedia of a, a person named jason lee scott and i was like that sounds like a tv actor that's the name of the character i was on the character's fucking wikipedia <laughs> oh yeah did, did jason lee scott get arrested after he graduated from zordon's fucking <laughs> no, he did not just get arrested after he graduated from angel falls <laughs> what happened to balk and skull like <laughs> uh, they became police officers last time they're, they're still up in the franchise i'm fairly sure that changed at some point I think one. I think at some point one of them started coming back, but not the other one. Um, sure. I don't know. I don't know. I give no fucks about this era of Power Rangers because I was when I was a kid. I was watching um, Lightning. Uh, yes, Lightspeed Rescue. Okay, that's the one I remember. Anyway. Uh yeah. Uh that's it for questions. Again, I'm mapping podcast at gmail dot com uh jacks what are we doing next time uh we are going to do uh the killing oh the uh kubrick movie from 1956 because i'm curious about it i've never seen it i've never um, seen it um it's 84 I... minutes long is this the movie with the clown mask they rip off for dark knight i think it is couldn't tell I've you i've seen this movie that sounds about right yeah um i remember thinking this movie is fun pretty good fun um it's a good nor yeah this is the movie with the clown masks that, that that's why joker has a clown mask at the beginning of dark knight i thought he had a clown mask oh. at the beginning of Dark because he was a clown no it's a reference <laughs> to the killing which is a heist movie where they wear clown masks okay sick well that's also because christopher nolan just like that <laughs> i mean christopher nolan is definitely like that <laughs> um i haven't seen this movie since i watched all the kubrick movies and uh doesn't really stick in my memory but i remember thinking he was all right it's no passive glory but what is yeah, I'm just curious about like the older Kubrick. Yeah. I think the oldest one I've seen is um, uh, Doctor Strangelove, which I didn't like. Yeah, I love Doctor Strangelove. I feel like I'm a, of a dying breed. No, it's um, still I wonder popular. if I'd like it more if I saw it now. I I have a lot more historical context for it. I don't know. I didn't like it. I've seen it twice and didn't like it either time. But mm. both those times were over ten years ago at this point. Okay. Um, I just thought it was too uh, too goofy. In the like wrong ways. <laughs> oh, see, I love a little goofy. Uh, sometimes movies should not be clownish. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, failsafe. We're team failsafe over team here. Team failsafe over here. That's true. That is all. <laughs> see, all, I've never uh, seen that. Classic movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, do you have a question of the week? Uh, yeah. Uh, which um. Uh, you got to pick one movie to uh, like make an uh, animated remake of, and one movie to make a live action remake of, like in Vice versa. Oh, sick! Oh, good question. I like this a lot. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. 
picking Roger Rabbit for both answers. <laughs> you want the full version of both forms? Yeah. Like no longer does it. Does the or also a third version where like the real world is the Toon World, the Toon World is the real world. Oh my god! Okay, does the fully animated and fully, okay, I know. Just imagine, imagine you have magic. Are you saying like it would be a new live action version, or would it be? the roger rabbit but the like animated bits are all live action now the roger rabbit the animated bits are all live action now okay so so and also it's like you just take the original sales for the animation and then you take out live action things and then paint the rest of it as well yes but yeah. everything that was originally animated is still preserved with, as with the animated. original animation team yes. of roger rabbit yes, yes. <laughs> while you have godly power to create this yes yeah, okay i'm not this is not going to be my answer next time i'll think no. of something else but uh, i immediately left to the very stupid answer of roger rabbit twice <laughs> uh, but then one where roger rabbit's a human and eddie valiant's a cartoon that'd be very funny to me <laughs> you just want to live in a world where there's a new roger rabbit variant every year and they have to yeah, come but up with they all have they all came out back in the day and not now yeah no they're all 80s movies late like 80s movies you don't want the like pokemon movie arc where like oh suddenly they're all on digital now <laughs> no, no <excuse laughs> this year's like roger that. rabbit movie <laughs> Oh, Roger Rabbit's a fucking awful CG model with a bunch of, like, blend shading like Space Jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-mm, oh, mm-mm. It, you know what? It's lucky they never made a 30 years later Roger Rabbit legacy sequel. That seems they like thought, they pro- were They meant to make a se- second Roger Rabbit and just never came together for, I don't even remember the reason, but, like, that's one of those movies that was in development hell forever and just eventually everyone kind of gave up. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess maybe it was because they were trying to make one that it never had. Because I'm like, that seems like a thing that would have... Uh, occurred like in the last five years um yeah uh roger rabbit to the toon platoon was an unproduced prequel uh this was going to be about world war ii that's why they didn't make it oh, steven yeah. spielberg refused to sign on because he didn't want to make a movie about nazis <laughs> where they're like cartoon characters I don't blame as him. opposed to um Steve making <laughs> every Indiana Jones movie in which Nazis are cartoonish but not cartoon characters. Uh, which, you know, yeah. <laughs> Big fan of Indiana Jones, but I think, Spielberg, I think you're standing on some full ceremony there. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. Um, Destiny, where can we find you? At Fridge Buzz now, most places in social media, and my other podcast, Badland Girls, is on abnormalmapping.com slash Badland Girls. Jackson. Uh, I am at Headfalls Off on Twitter.com and on co host uh, for now. And uh, you can find the podcast that I do at abnormalmapping.com. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. If you'd like to support our shows, you can do that at patreon.com slash normal mapping. For $1, you get the Great Gundam Project, where we watch Gundam Sea Destiny and are about our Dunbine. Right now, we're getting two months away from wrapping that up. Set me free, please! I hate it so much! <laughs> For $5 a month, you get Blockbusters, where we watch a Hollywood movie. We're about to watch Smokey and the Bandit? Yes, that'll be fun. Um... And for $10, you get VoIP Life, where every two weeks we kind of goof off. Just a thank you for people who really want to support the network. We recently had an episode where our friend Molly, uh, at your friend Molly on Twitter, came through and talked about uh, dads and uh, baseball games and uh, going on vacation. Pretty good episode, if you ask me. It was a pretty good episode. I listened to that last night. Um, and I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Love when Molly comes through. Um, 
Molly infamously had never seen a movie before like two years ago and has now just seen so many bangers of cinema. And I'm very jealous for her because she's had literally the best possible exposure to movies ever. Yes. Yeah. That, because all of her movie, all of her friends are deep movie people who will not show her shit like The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> Molly would enjoy The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, probably. I think. But Molly just uh, does just get to see like there's no mids, right? It's all bangers. Yes. Uh uh, but I, I'm just saying, I think that you care too much. But I think if me and Molly went and watched The Dark Knight Rises, we'd be doing Bane voice all the time. It'd be stupid. That's a kind of stu- It's maybe too long to really enjoy in that kind of fun way. Um, it is, in fact, there are many reasons one cannot really enjoy The Dark Knight Rises. But there are some bits where you're like, and then you're like, ah, oh, it's funny. What a stupid film. I can't believe it's real. But I guess it's only like six it. scenes. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> the movie sucks so much. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, rate and review us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Retweet our tweet about it. If you're on co-host or Instagram, I don't know. If you want to post about our podcast on Instagram, you have my blessing. I would love it. It would be great. Um, <laughs> and uh, until next time, movies. Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. 